Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News, and you're listening to Downtown Depot, where we track the ins and outs of Waco business. My guests today are David Taylor and Mike Schwab, co-owners of Waco Surf Surf Park. We talk about their dream now realized of owning a world-renowned water park, their loosey-goosey business philosophy of their hospitality company, and their impressions of the Waco community. But first, it's the Business Review with C.J. Jackson. Talent development. I'm CJ Jackson, and this is the Business Review. Today's intern workforce was birthed with technology and is ready to contribute to cutting-edge strategies. To discover talent and get the most out of the interview process, Tom Walker, president of Rev1 Ventures, offers tips for hiring interns and why it begins with curiosity. I think curious interns help you think outside of the box because you are bringing in a different generation and they can maybe help open doors within your own mind and your own company to think uh, creatively. Um, But then again, you're offering them the environment to grow, which is really what internship programs are. It's about pipeline development of future talent. Walker recommends giving potential interns a project as opposed to just a simple interview. Just pick a topic area. That way it allows them to think creatively and come back to you. And it could be a question that is unrelated to the internship, but it gives you, the employer, an an opportunity to um, see how they think. Once onboarding begins, Walker says to treat interns like team members from the start. It may be easy to fall into the category of not taking them as serious as like a full-time, you know, staff position. Um, But I I think you have to take it serious. You have to communicate with them uh, day-to-day, what the day-to-day opportunities are, so that they feel part of the team immediately. And so the more strategic opportunities you give an intern, it causes you as leadership to be more engaged with that position. Done correctly, internships can be an incredible pipeline for, for your talent development. The Business Review is a production of Livingston & McKay and the Handcammer School of Business at Baylor University. The Business Review can be heard during Morning Edition and All Things Considered, Thursdays on KWBU. I'm now joined in studio by David Taylor and Mike Schwab. David and Mike are both owners of Waco Surf in Waco, Texas. Glad to have you guys on the program. Dude, thanks for having us. Thank you so much. What a treat. I would love for our listeners to understand, of course, like what Waco Surf is, what's the impact of this business outside of Waco. There's people traveling internationally to come here to mm. surf in Central Texas, which is hilarious in and of itself. But I would like them to have a little bit of context about who you guys are and how you ended up in this industry. Absolutely. Go uh, for it. My name is Michael Paul Schwab, bit of an international man myself. I've lived around the world in various industries from tech to the surf space. Found out about this place when it first came out, was first built in 2018. 
that video of Seth Moniz doing a backflip went around the world. I was living in Australia at the time, and I went, uh, where is that? And that was my first real introduction to Waco. Uh, a couple years later, the facility was going for sale, and I happened to know a couple of the dudes that were looking at it, and that's how I got involved. And we finalized the acquisition in March of 2021. I am now the general manager out here, uh, living here full-time. David next to me lives here basically full-time as well. And yeah, we are, we are Waco, Waco through and through at this point. Yeah, that's exactly uh, how it went down. I was, uh, he referred to one of those dudes who was looking at buying a surf park, and that was me. I was one of those dudes, and Mike just happened to be living with me at the time. He's my roommate in California during COVID. And we were all just kind of looking for the next thing to do. And this thing kind of fell in, in our lap. And I sat down with Mike in our backyard like we did every single day, um, quarantining. And I was like, what do you think about doing this surf park thing? And he's like, I'm in. And so that, that was it. And so he that day literally became the general manager of the place. And since has, has been running it the, the whole time through the acquisition and, and up to present day. There's a lot of people who have things they love, and they should never try to turn that thing into a business. Sure. What was the due diligence process like in thinking, okay, well, you know, we love to surf. Is this actually a viable model and something that we could make profitable? Yeah. Well, my background's in, in operations and, and uh, in restaurant space, and so I really came from, from that part of it. Surfing is a huge part of my life growing up in Encinitas, California, and when opportunities present themselves, I feel like I'm like the luckiest human on the planet. Like stuff literally falls in my lap when I don't even expect it or necessarily want it to. And good opportunities, when they land there, regardless of whether I want to move down that path, they're there and, and I end up doing them. I have a really hard time of saying no, especially when something that I'm so passionate about falls into my lap. Uh, I couldn't not do this thing. And, and it was there. And, and But the diligence, like you asked, was it was a lot because it was happening during COVID uh, is when we went into escrow on this property, trying to figure out the details of what it was, what kind of operating business it was, where exactly it was, where we needed to fit in. Um, I just had a new baby, so I wasn't traveling or doing anything. And, and literally, Mike uh, flew out to Texas multiple times from San Diego tried to operate and create and advise and consult uh, a, a culture that was already there, but trying to like figure out how to make this into what we wanted it to be. And, and during that whole process of COVID was happening. And so it took a lot longer than we thought it was going to take um, to close the deal. And there are multiple times uh, anyone who's done a business deal will, will be in the situation you think it's not going to happen. Uh, and that happened so many times in this deal to the point where I was like, Dude, I don't even know if this is going to go down. And and finally, fast forward a year and a half, two years later of diligence, we, we got it across the line. So it's a large facility you guys have northwest of Waco. When you're looking at the business itself, are you buying real estate? Are you buying the technology that's creating these waves? Are, what, like, what kind of assets are coming with it? Uh, a little bit of everything. So the way that I kind of look at the property is the front end is about 92 acres of activated water park space. There is the world-famous Surf Lagoon, obviously, and that's what drew uh, Mr. David Taylor and myself into this project. But then and there's also a world-class cable park, uh, wakeboarding instead of behind a boat. It's behind pulleys. 
There is the alleged world's longest lazy river. Uh, I've never independently verified that, so I'm just going to put the alleged in the front, but it's just under a mile long. And the the wedge water slides, a um, bunch of food and beverage, like all of that's about 92 acres. And then in the back of the property, there's about another 380, would you call it, DT? Mm. About another 380 out the back that's just ripe for development, real estate play. And as we get more comfortable and confident with the operating business, we're starting now to look at uh, what future development looks like on the rest of the property. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting. We don't let ourselves get bored. We're always busy. The place was formerly known as BSR Cable Park to a lot of Wake Owens. I didn't realize that it actually had started as a place for barefoot skiing. It was a, yeah. a barefoot skiing yeah. ranch. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how the property has evolved over the years and sure. now under your ownership? Yeah, the the big one. I mean, BSR had its own um, its own brand, its own clientele, based on a, a barefoot water skiing background. Um, we had to rebrand it. No one, I mean, everybody knew BSR, but no one knew what it meant. And we actually did this funny thing on our Instagram. Where we were like, what does BSR mean to you? And like, no one knew the name, actual name of it with hundreds of submissions. We were like trying to figure out, because we were like, do we keep the brand? Do we not keep the brand? And in the end of the day, it just felt like we needed to move it more towards surf, more towards family-oriented things, more towards um, kind of that surf culture environment. And, and that wasn't it. So rebranding it into Waco Surf and what it was allowed us to do that. So for people who live in Texas, landlubbers like me, when you're talking about surf culture, this surf environment, what are some of those basic tenets? Sure. Well, I mean, DT and I both have mullets right now, so I don't, I don't know if that helps. I know you guys, I know the listeners at home can't see us. But. There are some heavy vibes in the studio right now. I'm not going to lie. We got Grateful Dead shirts, Hawaiian tees. Uh, I think the culture is based around respect for the earth. I think the culture is based around an aquatic environment. Like landlocked or not, people love the water, whether it's the lakes, rivers, the ocean. Um, being able to appreciate that, understand that, uh, and like sense of community. The surf community, you hear that surf community as a phrase all the time because it really truly is. And when you're building a hospitality company, which by and large, that's what we are. We are a hospitality company. Um, community makes it. Community defines who your clientele is. Community defines uh, who the staff is. So, yeah, that community-based surf culture, I suppose. And what's so cool about Texas that kind of goes hand-in-hand with the brand that we've created is, is a sense of freedom. And in Texas, this is the most freeing place that I've ever seen as far as your restrictions on allowing people to do business. Like, people are just... It's the land of the free, and it's Texas really embraces that culture. And the surf culture is all about that. It's about freedom to explore, freedom to find yourself, freedom to do what you want. And, and the whole time, another thing that's really common with Texas, Mike alluded to, was like caring for your environment and, and sustainability. And like all these things are so important, especially to like f- farmers of the past and pioneers. It's like these are the things that we're trying to embrace, and it's the surf culture. And I think why. It, that is a reason why it just plugs right into this Texas environment, and and it's it's magical. And there's also this idea of just wait for the next wave. Sure, mm. it's going to be coming. Mm. Stay here, mm-hmm. be patient. Your time will come. And I think that 
that's the reason why people are very drawn to Waco Surf is because you're able to artificially create sure. these perfect waves yeah. that you get to ride. Mike, can you tell us a little bit about the machine that's there that creates these waves? What makes a quote-unquote good wave for someone to ride? Can anybody go out there and try it? Yeah, sure. So we, our tech partner is a group called American Wave Machines out of San Diego, California, and the tech's called Perfect Swell. Uh, it creates a perfect wave in you get to decide what it looks like. It's very easily manipulatable. Uh, you can change directions or wave types in the click of a button in an instant. It is just an amazing human feat. Um, with all of that allowable variability, anyone can come surf. We've started doing, we, are, we, we have beginner sessions, which are very cruisy, easy wave to learn on, learn how to stand. In fact, we just put a video up on our website. Uh, if you go into the beginner session, it'll show you a breakdown of what a beginner wave looks like. And we've introduced a beginner academy as well. So we're getting this huge influx of local Wacoans, Baylor students. They're like, yeah, dude, you'll never find a better platform to learn how to surf than what Waco Surf is right now. Uh, we will teach you how to stand up, we'll teach you how to paddle, and then like you alluded to earlier, you know the wave's coming. You know you've got a very specific, no, this is David Taylor's wave. Uh, and watching this community get into it, I it's my favorite thing. Uh, like the, the Pinewood guys, love those guys to death. They come out all the time now. They're like, I will be on the intermediate wave by the end of the summer. I'm like, yes, it's fantastic. Fanta so whole new surf community. So if you're a mega surfer, you probably have your own preferred wave. Like, oh, I like it at this speed, this height. And you can change the knobs to mm -hmm. recreate yep. that time after time after time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And each wave is exactly, pretty much exactly the same. So as a training ground, and that's why the Olympics wanted to train here, the U.S. Olympic team, you can literally dial in your wave to train a specific maneuver over and over and over. Like for an, an air section, for example, in nature, you might go out and surf for three hours and maybe a wave will form at a, at a perfect position where you can try three airs in a two to three hour section. A section, if you're lucky, out here, these guys will rent the pool for an hour and they're running 20 of these things. And it, it's crazy for the just the repetition and, and you just see guys progressing at a level that we've really never seen in surfing. I want Wake Owens to understand where Waco Surf sits in this broader community of facilities and across the states or across the continent that have these types of facilities where people can go and train. Is this a special thing that Waco happens to have this? Are these yeah. things in every big city out there? No. Without tooting our own horn, uh, this place is rightfully world famous. Like I said, I heard about this place when I was living in Australia. It is a very special phenomenon, and we have weekly, if not daily, international clientele coming to surf. We have A-list celebrities coming to surf. It's wild to be a part of, but this is not just, hey, there's a wave pool in the middle of Texas. This is a cultural phenomenon. And it was one of the first ever to come out in the world, and as of now, it's pretty much the only one open to the public at this scale in, in North America, which is exciting. We're hearing from David Taylor and Mike Schwab of Waco Surf, the surf park here in Central Texas. Earlier when you guys were talking about the, the tenets of surf culture and having an environmental focus as one of them, 
I'd like to ask you about corporate responsibility, and especially as a company like yours, which is driving people to get outside and be involved in nature. How do you think about being a responsible corporation? A book that I read a few years ago that meant a lot to me is Let My People Go Surfing, Mm. which is the story of Yvonne Trinar, the guy who started Patagonia. And of course, Patagonia has, I think, like given all their profits away now is is what he's done there. But how do you balance the day-to-day strictures of needing to have a profitable business with recognizing that, hey, we have an opportunity to make an outsized impact here in our community and across the world? I think a lot of it is just leading by example, right? And just doing, that's how I live my life. And that's how Mike lives his life. And and the book that you're referencing is absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, while we're not going to be using all sustainable products throughout our resort and all of these things, it's like the effort is there and to try to put these in place. Like when we got into Waco, it was even hard to find a place to recycle aluminum cans, right? And so now like we've sourced that. We're just doing little things, man, from like trying to not use single-use plastic at our facilities or we got rid of straws. Like these are just little stuff like this that we can do in the hospitality space uh, and to educate people like you don't need that. We partnered with a company called... Um, what's our water machine? Flow water. Flow water. So we have these devices on on site that just, it's refillable water stations. And so we sell bottles as well. So we're not just selling single-use plastic bottles. And all this was stuff that when we took over the property wasn't there. And there were just like lots of plastic and lots of garbage. And so just little steps like that that we've done in our space that we can control is a big, big difference in the in the footprint when you're seeing thousands of people come through there. And you guys have done a wonderful job of building a strong brand so that when someone shows up, they'd be incentivized to get a $30 Yeti that says mm. Waco Surf on it. Back when it just said BSR Cable Park, sure. maybe you didn't want that, or it probably was not even an option. Sure. And so that's why you have a bunch of plastic all around. Like for me, I'm the kind of guy, I bring a water bottle with me. Mm-hmm. Same. And I feel like that's how that. a lot of younger people are today. I think that people who are you know, at least millennials, but definitely on down for that. They're just like, dude, why are all you older people ruining the planet that we're going to have to live on? (laughs) Dude, and you couldn't have said that better. Millennials have a choice of where they want to spend their money and where they want to go. And we've learned that this experiential thing is a big thing. And the big thing behind that is sustainability and eco-friendliness, right? And so for us, it's not so much trying to do all this. It's like, that's what the that's what our clientele is telling us to do. And that's what the culture supports. And so it's easy if you just listen to that it's really easy to get in line because you're totally right. Like we've had literal comments of kids being like, why are you guys in plastic bottles out of a Yeti? This is disgusting. And it's like, you know what? You're right. And that, that was one of the first things we changed. We were there, like water machines. They're like, this is simple, but you got to listen and, and align with, with, with what's right. Mike, you guys offer so many different activities there at Waco Surf. I would imagine that this is a place that isn't just for surf bombs. It could be even for families to go enjoy. Yeah, so like that's a huge part of our summer clientele, and it's one of the big metrics that we track these days. Um, our quote unquote water park business has become like a family hang zone where you bring the family. Uh, we've got plenty of F and B options on site, but on the, that side of the park, you're allowed to bring a propane grill. So families or groups of families get together, and instead of going to a regular park, you hang out with us in our park, use the lazy river, use the slides, go cabling. Um, that's been another big change. That was one of our big tenets that we wanted to focus on is building a family business. Uh, it fits our culture. It fits what we love. Um, 
so yeah, like that that whole side of the park that's been a cool transformation uh, to watch and be a part of. Really, is the Lazy River the family favorite, or are the slides family favorite? It depends on how wild your children are, because <laughs> yeah. those slides are they're, they're I, serious. I remember going there. I was probably sixteen or seventeen, and doing that Royal Flush slide yeah. and seeing videos on YouTube about it. People launching, yeah, carnage, yeah. Um, it's hilarious. It's fun. Kids love it. Uh, parents love it. But yeah, you you. I remember the first time I got to the top and I looked down. I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> in the way that. Many people in Waco would probably be surprised to hear that there's a world-class surf park in their community. You guys finally coming to spend more time in Central Texas were probably surprised by a number of things that you found here or didn't find here. What have been your takeaways about Central Texas and Waco specifically over the last couple of years? Yeah. Uh, when I first started coming out in the due diligence phase, I was trying to get out here twice a month week on, week off, uh, and I was staying on the property, didn't really have much time to explore Waco proper. Again, our facility is about 20 minutes outside of downtown Waco. And as the due diligence phase started to look like, I think we're going to buy a surf park. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, I need to figure this place out. Started spending a lot more time in Waco and was just thoroughly amazed at the community itself. I have made lifelong friends here in the couple years that I've been here. I love seeing young entrepreneurial people doing exciting, fun stuff, uh, and I love to support that. I mentioned the Pinewood guys earlier, uh, Corey from Milo, Harvest on 25th. There's just so much cool stuff here that I am, like my wife and I bought a house. We are, we are here. This community is absolutely magical. Uh, I can't get around it enough. When I first started coming out, it was a bit of a culture shock. And like Mike said, we weren't really delving into the downtown or meeting people. And it was like they have Torchy's Tacos for food. And a big thing is like, what are we going to eat? And, you know, you get you get your fingers in the community and you start feeling it out. And it gets to the point where, yeah, you do. You were meeting unbelievable humans. And, and you referenced the wave earlier as like a metaphor. Like, you know, the next one's coming. And it's going to happen here. Like you, there's something about the energy and you feel it of young entrepreneurs coming here because they can, they can afford it and they can afford to take a chance and start a business because stuff is still fairly cheap. And you're just going to see I, I, this boom is coming. Like you, you feel it happening and the energy around that, it, it's a wave, it's magical and it's all happening here now. David, you admitted to me before we got on the air that your style business and probably personally as well is a bit loosey goosey. There are so many different ways to make a dollar, and I think it's important for listeners to understand, hey, you do not have to go get an MBA to have a great business. You don't have to be a systems details person, and you might be, to have a great business. So explain the the thought process of that loosey-goosey mentality, and then you, Mike, as a partner of someone who has this loosey-goosey mentality, is that exactly the way you are too, or have you fused what you thought was the way to run a business a little bit more with yours. Sure. Yeah, I, I dropped out of college uh, my sophomore year at UCSD. I was a biology major and thought I was going to be a physical therapist. And like, it's just a thing how, how life changes. And, and I could see early on that wasn't my path. And, and the path was led me down a path of entrepreneurship. And I've been a part of some amazing companies. I've grown my own companies. Um, and this is, you know, number three thing that I'm getting to do in, in my life now. And I do 
tend to have a very loosey-goosey mentality when it comes to business, and, and not that it's irresponsible or reckless, but it's a way for me to be open to opportunities in front of me instead of trying to micromanage the process and allowing ideas to come from all, and, and they're all equal in my head, and allowing it to kind of move organically. And, and that's been really, for me, it's been a very awesome way to, to navigate the business space. DT and I work very well together, always have. Don't even remember when we first met, but it's been decades, known each other for decades. Uh, I am very much, I suppose, a process dude. Uh, I'm a data-driven decision kind of dude. But I think if you asked anyone that works with me, they'd probably be like, he's loosey-goosey as well. (laughs) Yeah, Mike has a really good balance of... I'm probably definitely more of a, let's just see how this feels and make it work. And Mike's more of the, well, let's see how it pencils to see if it works. And then I think together we kind of find a medium sometimes because sometimes it's not all about the numbers. There is sometimes a little gut feeling that you know something's going to work and you just have to take a chance on that if it's not totally backed. And then there's other times you're like, well, I don't know, this doesn't really feel that organic, but like the numbers pencil and at the end of the day, you're running a business. So it's about finding the balance and he's awesome at doing that and finding the balance. Was there a moment for you guys after buying the business where maybe you're sitting on a board and the perfect wave comes in or you're hanging out in the clubhouse and a surfer from Hawaii comes in and tells you how incredible these swells are? Was there a moment that you think back sort of crystallized the, this was a good decision. I know this is right for us right now. I honestly, kind of the whole thing as we were, as we were getting there and then finally got it across the line. I think that the business itself was so ripe for opportunity. It already had internet, the wave itself anyway, already had international visibility uh, and there was just so much low-hanging fruit that it was impossible not to get excited. Like, how do we productize this place? How do we make this a hospitality company? And just when you make something that's so rare, the perfect wave in real life in the ocean, everybody's stoked. Everybody's happy. I always say that, you know, when you go surfing in the ocean, you're in the lineup. You're waiting for your turn to go on a wave trying to be respectful and then someone drops in on you. It can be a competitive space where a spot like this, like it's not competitive because you know when it's your turn and everyone's getting perfect waves. So everyone's having such a good time that you make 11 new friends every time you get out there and go surfing. That's a rad thing to be a part of. It's amazing. And to kind of piggyback on that, for me, the moment tells me every time I go to that park and and the people getting out of the water, whether you're five years old, 50 years old, or 80 years old, the smile that resonates on these people's faces is it's pure joy. And when you see people having that experience and you know that you're part of aiding in that experience or providing the platform for them to have that experience, uh, it's a no-brainer. It's a, yes, this is what I need to be doing. As we wrap up here What's the final message for the Waco community? What do you want them to know about you guys, either individually or Waco Surf as an organization? Come shred. Come hang out with us. Seriously. Come learn how to surf. Come just sit on the beach and hang out and watch awesome surfers. Just come check the place out. It's, it's, it's special.
And even if you're not a, a cool surfer bro, you can still show up there. 100%. Feel like you're a part of it. 100%. We get people all the day, uh, all the time, every day from uh, the community here that is either, A, want to go to the Lazy River, the slides, or be like, hey, man, I'm just going to go sit on the white sandy beach, drink a beer, and watch some, some, some kids blow up in the surf. David, how about you? Final thoughts? Same. Come out. If you haven't experienced it yet, it's um, it's just such a magical experience. You're in the middle of Waco, Texas, and I guarantee you will not feel like you're anywhere other than like some tropical resort in Fiji. Like You see the water quality, and it's crystal clear blue, and the beach, and the cabanas, and the, the taco shop on the beach, and the VW van parked on the beach, and you're like, where did, am I? And people sit there all the time, and you, you can get lost in, in this magical experience. And so I just uh, come out and, and see it because it's really special. If you want to be transported this summer, be sure to go find the Waco Surf folks here on Old Mejia Road in the Waco community, about 20 minutes away from downtown Waco. Michael, David, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your story here on Downtown Depot. Dude, Bro, thank, thank you, you so for having much. us. Legend. That was a blast. Appreciate you. Thanks again to David and Mike and you for tuning in to episode 151 of Downtown Depot here on Waco Public Radio. You can find me in between episodes on Facebook and Instagram at Waco Business News and join me back here on Waco Public Radio on the third Friday of June for another conversation with a small business owner, civic leader, or engaged citizen sparking Waco's renaissance. I'm Austin Meek with Waco Business News and you've been listening to Downtown Depot where we track the ins and outs of Waco business.